Blogging is a great business-to-business lead generation tool. But are you making the three biggest blogging blunders? Stay tuned and you'll find out. Hi everyone, Anise here from Mindful Sales Training and you're tuned to Mindful Sales Podcast, helping you grow your sales mindfully. Now for this episode, I had a conversation with blogging extraordinaire Damien Farnworth of Copybot. He writes clear, concise and compelling web copy that demands attention, creates desire and compels action. He's also chief writer over at copy blogger media and some call it the bible of content marketing i'm a fan of damien and copy blogger so it was a delight for me to catch up with him damien kindly shares his wisdom on how to blog effectively to get more traffic and ultimately more customers so let's head on over to the conversation now hey damien it's anise here how are you I'm doing well, are you? I'm very good. Thanks so much. I'm so grateful for your time. Your blog, Copybot, is brilliant. I've learned so much from reading it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the time with you too. Oh, good, good. Let's get stuck in. There are so many blogs out there. Why should a startup or small business bother with blogging? You can think of blogging as just another vehicle for advertising, and it's a cheap way to do it. So what you can do is just build up an audience and uh, through by demonstrating your authority, by you know, showing the world that you know what you're talking about and that you actually uh, can provide solutions and answers and you can inform and educate people through your blog. So it's a process of uh, what we always talk about in the business of just building an audience um, that you can then sell things to or build an or, you know, um, uh, service you know what maybe it's you know you're a consultant and you can do that too so it's those two things really a blog uh, provides the ability to get attention cheaply and then to build your authority so people can trust you and people can say okay well this person knows what they're talking about so maybe i'd rather do business with them than someone else who is really not even taking the time to kind of uh dig themselves out of obscurity mm-hmm. and so what should they write about then i mean and how do you come up with the content uh, so that's a good question. So um, basically, you should know what your reader or what your ideal customer, your ideal uh, person needs, what they want, what do they dream about, what do they, you know, what keeps them up, up at night, what sort of problems do they have. So this really all begins about, like, like successful blogging begins with knowing your reader inside and out, like spending time knowing. Often, like the most successful bloggers that I've seen are those business bloggers, are those who are in some way their ideal customer. So they've come out of that or they, um, you know, for instance, for example, like for Copy Blogger, what we do over at Copy Blogger Media, um, we are all in some sense our ideal customers because we've all been freelancers or we've owned our own small online business um, or we're all writers. So we understand that mindset. So if you can understand the mindset of your reader, then you know what you need to write about. And I always tell this people too who start blogging that don't assume anything. And what I mean by that is don't think that your writer is smarter than you think she or he is. And I don't mean that to be a condescending thing. Mm-hmm. I just mean that to say that they're not as sophisticated as we think they are. What we know, generally, our audience does not know. So we have to take the time of, of, of creating content that begins at the, almost at the very bottom. Don't be afraid to just write about very, very basic things. Cause, and what that does is, is what it does for you is it, it establishes a foundation 
for what we call cornerstone content. That's the content that will almost never go out of style and will always kind of be there. And those are the pages too that you can kind of that will that you could drive specific traffic to. It'll probably be your highest um, traffic blogs. And a great example of this, and the one I always like to point to, is uh, Darren Rouse, um, who's over in uh, Australia, and he started a photography. Um, school blog and one of his posts he was about to publish was about how to correctly hold a camera and he almost didn't publish it because he thought well gosh everybody has to know how you know to hold a camera well he decided to go ahead and do it and publish it and it and it, it was wildly popular and it is his most highly trafficked page so when you're creating that content for your your ideal reader Keep in mind, don't assume anything and uh, start from the very basic. And as you build that sort of foundation of content, then you can move on to more you know, advanced techniques and ideas. But always come back, you can always come back to that too because another thing you have to keep in mind is that you will have audience turnover every two years. You know, 10 to 20 to, to almost 50% of your audience could be gone because they've ever either graduated to somewhere else, um, they simply just got bored. Um, or something else happens, but you can always have new people coming in. So don't forget about that. There's that turnover. So you're always sort of skating this line of doing basic and advanced content. So, but it starts with, like I mentioned, it starts with knowing who your reader is and your ideal customer is inside out. And once you do that, as you do the research for that, you'll start getting ideas for what kind of content you need to create for your blog. And how can they just go about research, just very basically to start off? Oh, that's great. Great question. Yeah. So it start off with just you could go and troll, sort of not troll, but you could just sort of lurk um, all the social media sites where your ideal customer hangs out, the Facebook pages. Maybe there's some forums that they might particularly hang out at. Um, you can also just do simple surveys. Uh, Google actually allows you to do pretty cheap, inexpensive surveys that asks questions, you know, that can be appropriate to your ideal reader. Um, I like to, you know, once you start doing the blog, you can start asking as people come in their questions just through a blog post. And even if you get one or two comments, that's fine, but you can do that. Um, reaching out, you could interview people one on one out in the street, you know, or just arrange, um, you know, for those interviews to happen. Uh, through phone or through Skype, you know, if, if you're looking somewhere and you meet somebody uh, online, you think that'd be an interesting person to interview, uh, and then just sort of pull them aside. And really, uh, you only need to do like so. So these interviews, you only need to do like probably ten to fifteen of them to really get a good handle about who your ideal customer is. So say you have a brick and mortar store, you know, and uh, you know, it, people actually, if you have foot traffic come in, stop, you know, and, and ask, you know, every fifth person but treat them you know which I, people generally like to give their opinion so it's always a good thing but you know you don't have to do a whole lot of these interviews um, but I found that to be the most sort of extensive and exhaustive and best way to get it because also you get you get their language the language that they use uh, when speaking about it and if you can l use that language to create content then it's a lot easier for your ideal customer to relate to you because they see that they, they you know that's sort of like a, a, a bell goes off in their head when you when they hear language that they've used and you're using it and they're like this guy uh, this guy or gal understands me so simple research techniques like that which you know either cost very little uh, or nothing at all and those principles are are based on NLP when you're meeting people face-to-face -face and you use their language, mm -hmm. they just feel that there's this commonality there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the same thing applies when you're writing content. 
And so where should people blog? I mean, you've got Tumblr, you've got Medium, and then your own website. Where do you think people should start? Well, I always think it's a great idea. I mean, uh, starting with your own very own blog, because what you're doing is you're creating a media asset. Um, you're creating something that uh, drives traffic to your own site that you can control. Because you know, while places like Facebook or Tumblr or Medium have great publishing tools and they might be able to drive traffic faster than your own website um, could do that. You can't control that. You have, you know, there have been just sort of um, horror stories of people blogging on other platforms and then the platform goes under and all that content is gone. Or they allow them to download it, but it's still such a pain in the butt to sort of download that content and find a new home for it. So if you start with your base, now we, we always like to talk about your, your website being your, your blog being your base. Then you can go out though and, you know, uh, blog on Tumblr or Medium or Facebook and sort of drive traffic back. Like what, what I like to do with my own blog, the Copybot, mm -hmm. is a lot of kind of the core content things, you know, ideas that I want to sort of uh, stand out for who I am. I publish those on my site. Then I'll go to places like Medium or Google Plus and I'll kind of I'll write derivatives of those blog posts that might expand on a particular topic, but I'm always driving traffic back to my site. And so I might build up a, a small body of content on Medium or on Google Plus, but always and a little audience there. But I'm always driving them back to my website because ultimately that's the asset that you can own, and it's a, it's a good asset too because eventually, someday down the road, you may be able to sell that to someone else. I mean, for instance, Copy Blogger itself. The blog, just the content alone, there have you know there have been offers you know for seven figures for that because people just understand the traffic wow. uh, that is driven to that particular. That's not and that doesn't include the product line. It's just the content alone, so people understand that. So you have your own blog, build it up, and you create that. Like I said, that body of work that becomes yours, mm -hmm. and it's a media asset. And you can you know if you if you wanted to do advertising sometime down the road, you you'd be able to do that or you might get a book deal some you know someday down the road and you have that content on your site too fantastic that leads on to the next one about traffic so you've given us some tips about how to get traffic any other top tips how to build traffic so the best way so you're right so like a new blog is always well, how do i get people to my site to begin with right and so the best way that i found with a uh, hands down is to, to post guess what they call guest posting so you know um publish uh, articles on, on other people's websites so particularly you know sort of legacy um you know tier one type sites um sites that will have lots of traffic and will give will 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 expose you to their audience. You know often this can help like if you see people in your industry who are, are already blogging and have well established audiences and well established blogs. Um it's very easy to sort of approach them and say, "Hey, you know, love what you're doing. Here's my site. Um would you mind if I I you know, would you mind if I uh you know, shared an article with you. Um, I, it kind of fills in a gap that I noticed that you have that you know, I think your audience might appreciate that. And because bloggers and publishers are always looking for content, for a guest guest posting allows them the opportunity not to have to create it themselves, not to have to worry about it themselves, but then to you know also to kind of you know expose. Um, their audience to a new writer. Now, it, you're not going to approach your competitors, that's for sure. Uh, but you know, people within your own industry who you might not be direct at competitors. And usually, I've found it most of the time that it's a pretty uh, p people are pretty open to guest posting. So just reach out, 
to the, the web, the person behind the website with you know e- the, the email form. And this is why too having already a body of work on your website that you can point back to and say, hey, this is kind of my portfolio, or here's work that I've done for you know Business Insider or uh, you know Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, their website, and pointing back to those and, sh- and demonstrating that you know you you do have the skills uh, that it would be worthwhile that they're not it's not a risky bet to sort of accept that. But so that guest posting, like I said, what that does is exposes you to a new audience and it helps build your own and drive traffic to your own site. And so hands down, the best way to get attention and traffic to your site. Okay. And headlines are obviously quite important. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, that formula, 12 ways to do mm-hmm. X, isn't that slightly exhausted? I mean, what else can people do to get magnetic headlines as copy blogger calls them? <laughs> Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great concern. Um, and while I, we all would say that that is exhausted, uh, it still works. I mean, it's amazing how many times I can actually do it. And occasionally, people are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you know you're writing yet another again list headline." Uh, but it's really amazing how well they work. The trick is, though, is to come up with something with unique that sort of stands out. You know, I mean, it could be something as you know simple as you know thirteen point five ways to you know, uh, blog for new readers, or it could be just approaching a completely and utterly, you know, sort of uh, coming at an angle, like at an angle that nobody's ever come at in a way. So I wouldn't t- quite give up on the list headline, but, um, but like you, yeah, you know, there are other ways to do it. So other way, you know, of course, other, it's just kind of, ha- uh, standard, uh, headline form is, is, you know, how to, always saying how to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, you have to understand your audience and you have to understand what they know because say you have a site, you know, say you're a fitness trainer and you have a site and, um, you know, if you wrote a headline called how to, um, let's see, you know, how to lose weight, um, you're probably not going to get a lot of traction on that because that conversation has happened in other places many, many times. And it's what Eugene Schwartz talks about, market saturation, you know, understanding how much content is out there uh, about a particular subject. And can, and, but the question is, can you approach that in a u- unique way? Like, so, you know, o- Oprah's Dr. Oz, he could write an article called um, uh, How to Lose Weight and get a lot of attention to it because he's an authority. He's, he's, he's a towering figure in that space. But uh, most of us are not in our space, so we have to think of new ways to do it. So, you know, you come at it with a unique, useful, ultra-specific, and sometimes urgent uh, way, and it, you'll open up. So, you know, how to lose weight might become how to lose weight uh, before, you know, um, well, my favorite, <laughs> right, you know, so it's, it's always thinking through that, you know, four U's of useful, ultra-specific, unique, and then urgent. Can you can you add those elements into your headline and you come up with a much better, unique one that sort of stands out? And Can you say those again, the U's? The useful, yeah. unique, mm-hmm. ultra-specific, and urgent. Okay. Okay. And why do those work? So useful works because you know, base people are out for information. They want to learn how to do something. You know, um, I, you know, I like to fix the appliances around our house. Every time you know the air dryer goes out, I look up how to you know how to fix a, uh, a dryer, and so we're looking for that information. Um, unique in the sense of ultra, well, ultra specific. Let me start with ultra specific. Ultra specific is is making it so that would be like saying you know thirty seven ways to fix you know a broken dryer. So you're being very you're being very specific about what you're doing, and you're saying here is that. And then unique is sort of coming at it at a at a 
interesting direction. So um, I like to give the example of like, you know, how to wash dishes is pretty basic. It's useful, you know, uh, you know, 11 ways to wash dishes is, uh, you know, more specific. It's ultra specific in 11 ways to wash dishes before you, you know, you, you get cholera is both very unique, but it's also urgent because there's that element of, you know, well, I might die if I'm not washing my dishes correctly. So, so you add, you're adding that, uh, that formula there because people are, like I said, people are looking for a, um, a interesting way to do it. They're looking for information. So if you can stand out and demonstrate that you can talk about a particular topic in such a way um, that's new, that's fresh, that's interesting. Now, granted, you're never going to sort of say anything very original, right? But again, like I mentioned before, is your audience, the people who you're attracting, what they're really after is your voice, your personality. You know, we see a lot of bloggers kind of come up and they're not saying you know, they, they may not be like sort of uncovering earth shattering, you know, insights from research or stuff like that, but it's the way they approach, you know, their blogging, their life, the, you know, they may have a very forceful personality or they a very sort of exuberant and flamboyant personality. And so we, we sort of, you know, gravitate towards those because we think these are interesting people. He's very, very curious. And I want to know more about this person and he's going to teach me how to fix my dryer. So um, I would prefer that over someone who is just your basic sort of Sears craftsman type, um, uh, uh, you know, m- mechanic over someone who has a lot of personality and, and, you know, add some flair to what he's doing. So that's what you're sort of looking for when you're creating these, these headlines. Now, I will say this, there is a tendency to that we've seen this, and you've, you've probably seen this in these two, is that um, they're, like, we'll create these sort of like mind-boggling, you know, uh, great headlines where they just sort of offer a lot. The, the temptation is to do that and then not deliver in the article. So you have, you know, your humdinger of a headline uh, may eventually fail, you know, the article may fail to deliver on what you promised in the headline. So you have to be careful and be patient too. You know, if you come up with a great headline, I always work with the article first, then come back for the headline, so I know that I'm that um, I can uh, complete what I you know what I offer through the article. So make sure that your great headline is um, you know the, the check that your headline write that the article can actually cash it. Yeah, because you'll just lose readers otherwise. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, trust is so hard to build online, and if you know you're not delivering on that, people are like, well, gee whiz, that was a great article. I feel it's totally you know sort of uh, betrayed. Um, by reading your article, then yeah, people will not, and people, you know, we have so much content and so much competition out there that it's really very easy to sort of, you know, first impressions are everything. So it's very easy to lose somebody and it's very hard to kind of regain their trust. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so still on the, slightly on the subject of headlines, this sure. one really caught my eye amongst yours. Write like your readers are lazy, stupid, and mean. So this is from one of your blog posts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me about that, uh, about the content so, in that. <laughs> so that's actually from a professor at a university who um, was training his students. Uh, uh, it was a it was a philosophy course, and he says, "Okay, here's so here's how you write a philosophy essay, right?" And so what I really appreciated about that was here was this professor who works in a you know, we think of philosophy, we, we, it sort of has that stereotype of just dense, perplexing content, right? Um, because there is sort of this attitude of trying to sound very smart and, or, you know, not really taking the time 
to uh, communicate clearly so somebody can actually understand. Because even though you may know in your head what you're trying to say and what you see, we always have to remember that the other person probably does not understand or see it that way. So we have to slow down and take the time to, to communicate clearly to them what it is we're trying to explain. And, and you know, there's, I think it was Albert Einstein who said, if you can't clearly communicate your idea so other people understand it, you probably don't understand it yourself. And this is why one of the reasons why I love writing so much is because I'm a, I'm a thinking writer, meaning that I think through my thoughts by writing. Like I'll say things, but then I, when I sit down, I'm like, okay, well, did I really mean it that way? How can I commun- communicate it in such a way that it's clear? And so when I sit down to write, it helps me t- to see clearly what I'm trying to say. And, it, and, may, and when I have it written down, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't really make that much sense, you know, now that, now that I see it in writing. Yeah. So I have to understand. So you know, coming back, you know, as that I was, I was trying to demonstrate in the article and this professor was trying to demonstrate was, you know, and I don't mean it in a condescending way, but like, you know, writers are, uh, readers are mean in the sense, and I meant, kind of alluded to this earlier, r- readers are mean in the sense that they're not going to give you the time of day. If, if you don't sort of please them, like at you know the snap of a fingers, they're gone, right? And this has been demonstrated, and especially online through uh, studies, you know, which most people, probably about over uh, about thirty-eight percent of the people who read a headline will not read the first sentence because they're off to the, the, the next thing. And most people only get to probably about the fifty, about halfway, about only about fifty percent of people get to the halfway through the article. So. You have to understand that people, um, they have an agenda, and that agenda likely does not include you. So you have to see them as that. And so give them something in which they'll say, okay, well, this is going to be worth my time. So that's the mean part. The stupid part, of course, is that, you know, um, just because I think I know it, and again, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier, is, is, is it's okay to way underestimate the sophistication um, of your readers. And of course, lazy is that, you know, most of us, we... We're, we want to be, especially when we're consuming online content, um, we would prefer to watch a video than read, a, uh, you know, read an article or listen to a podcast versus, you know, maybe uh, to watch a video. So we're passive. We have to give content. We have to make it easy for the reader to work his way through that content. So that's why we, ha- we talk about just writing great headlines, then writing great first sentences, and then writing throughout there, writing great uh, subheadlines so that as, because we know most people are just gonna skim it and, and, and then evaluate whether it's worth their time to read the article or not. So you gotta have great uh, subheadlines throughout the articles so that people see that and think, okay, well, that seems pretty interesting. That's, you know, gives them a snapshot of what's going on in the article. Uh, so. You know, then at some point they can say, "Okay, I want to make this commitment because people are just going to be naturally not interested in doing it, and naturally sort of lazy in that sense of, okay, what's out there for me?" Because we know the marketplace of ideas, especially you know online, is 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 infinite. So they have lots of places they can go. You have to make it so it seems kind of stupid for them not to hang around. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next question is about the mistakes. You've already told me told us one about. Uh, make sure your headline ma- matches the copy. What other big mistakes, a common big mistakes people make when blogging? I think probably the other one is consistency. So, you, you know, when I talk to new bloggers that are talking about blogging, the question I always ask them is this a topic that you can, you know, that you can sustain? Will you be able to sustain this topic, you know, six months out, one year out from now? Because yeah. if it seems like an interesting idea to you now, um, the question is, will, will, be, will it be, 
interesting to you, you know, a year from now or five years, even five years from now, because that's the one thing. Like blogging itself, it is, it takes time. Uh, it takes time to get the, t- the attention. So you, you're, you're going to have to be able to work in isolation for a period of time before, you know, this, until the traffic starts coming, the attention starts growing. Uh, so make sure you're writing about something that you can do it, uh, you can sustain it, but also make sure that you're publishing consistently. So even if you make it, so copyblogger.com was started on just on, you know publishing twice a week on a Tuesday and a Thursday, I believe. Um, but Brian did it faithfully. Brian did it you know faithfully every Tuesday and Thursday because what you're doing is you're programming people to expect your content. Some people say, you know, um, you know, daily blogging daily, like five days a week, say, that will, of course, drive up traffic quickly because it's just been demonstrated numerous times through studies that, you know, uh, the more you publish, the more traffic you get. However, uh, um, a lot of us don't have time to do that. But other people will say, well, you're not going to probably create your best content every day if you're doing that five because there's, there's cog- it's a huge cognitive overhead if you publish daily. So say you, you decide to publish just twice a month. That's great, and that works for a lot of people. You know, uh, people like John Morrow or uh, Derek Halperin. They publish, you know, two or three times a month, but these are very dense, you know, kind of big uh, posts that provide a lot of value, right? Um, that you can kind of consume and ease into and uh, absorb over time, so you don't have to worry about it. Because you know, the, the daily publishing. The other problem that that creates is that uh, there's sort of a backlog. People kind of lose lose touch quickly. They're like, I can't just keep up with all this content. So, if you decide to publish, you know, once a week or just twice a month, then um, you kind of allow people time to absorb your content. But you're going to have to deliver something more substantial than if you were publishing daily. Yeah, so publishing daily is quite challenging for businesses that you know it's not their core area. It's something they're using to try and help them. Right. Usually in that case, it's either they have a number of different writers or they hire, you know, a writer to actually focus, you know, on that buffer, for example, uh, where they have, you know, Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee, he does a lot of the blogging for them and then uh, four days a week. And then they have another writer who blogs for that. And then occasionally they have other, you know, the CEO gets in there. But so, yeah, that's right. But if you are, you know, one man, one woman shop, blogging daily is a huge, you know, commitment. And I wouldn't recommend it um, at all because the other thing is, too, is you could exhaust a lot of your ideas. You exhaust a lot of your ideas very quickly that way, too. So, so. Uh, yeah, so so ask yourself, you know, will you be able to sustain that? You know, will you be able to be consistent? Because whatever you decide, you know, uh, you know, once a day, twice a week, you know, twice a month, uh, try to stick to that schedule as much as you possibly can, and then try to have as many ideas sort of in the queue, so that when you sit down, you have to work and put yourself on a schedule too. I've always found that work, you know, to work is put yourself on a schedule. I ha- I have to meet this deadline, mm-hmm. and uh, so that helps. Great. So do you have three tips to get started right now? Top tips. Three top tips to get started. Yeah. So um, I would then, my first thing I would do if I was you, uh, would I would look at who my competition is, right? Who are those blogs, websites out there that I admire, that I'd like to be like, and I would study them and I would try to understand the market and, you know, the space that I could particularly do. And I'd start thinking about how I can fit into that. What value can I provide? So then the other thing to do, I would start looking at my customer and my ideal customer and, like, figure out what do they need, what 
what sort of challenges do they face? How can I provide answers to those questions that they're asking? And then the, then the, the, the last tip is to look at yourself and say, okay, what, it is, what is it that we as a business do that I, you know, as a consultant, um, what, what is it that I do and what do I provide? What can I provide to that particular market? Because it all, you know, basically all three of those things that I just mentioned there is like, you know, understand your competition, understand your ideal customer and understand yourself and your business is really just research. And it all begins with that preparation is huge and you have to be fully prepared for this. And in order to succeed and to succeed well, um, I will encourage everybody to know too that you know you don't have to have all the answers and have a perfect sort of idea of what you want to accomplish. You at least have to know the right direction to go in because you know sort of your your idea of of uh, your blog and sort of your tagline, all those things will evolve over time because you'll say, okay, well I'm going this direction because I have, I have a hunch and I've sort of that hunch was formed out of the research that I did about my customer, about my competition, about myself. And so I started pursuing that hunch, but it seems like as I'm, you know, sort of, as my plan meets, you know, as my plan meets meets reality, I, I I think I have to adjust a little bit and go this direction. Or you may say, okay, this is just completely not working, and so uh, you know, and you may have to do you know 180, but that's rare, I think. But you will just keep in mind, you will adjust, and your idea uh, for your blog, your sort of direction of your blog, will evolve over time. But um, and the, the, the last thing I'll sort of encourage is to never sort of give up on understanding your customer. I mean, people fascinate me. That's one of the reasons why I'm in the business of advertising. People fascinate me because we're complex human beings and they never cease to amaze, amaze me. Um, so the same thing for you and your customer. You'll never, you, you may have a pretty fundamental understanding of who your customer is, but you never want to stop sort of un, you know, getting to know them and spending time with them and uh, uh, finding out who they are. And so continue that research over the, you know, the amount of research that you need to do you know, will be n- enormous in the front end, but it will um, level out as you continue. But and it won't be nearly as uh, substantial. But um, you still want to continue to do that through time as you're doing that. So, just one final quick, more on a personal note. Sure. What's your favorite nonfiction book you read lately? My favorite nonfiction book I read lately. That's a great question. Um, I wish I could look at. Yeah, so I, I read a lot, and I thought, um, I thought so. <laughs> I, I love read reading too, and I always like yes. hearing recommendations. So and I'm tr- and so I'm trying to think of the books that I have been reading. So I read this really good book. Okay, so I have this sort of side project that I'm working on, and um, there's a gal named Joanna Burke, and she wrote a book called The Story of Pain, and it's a fascinating read. She goes back about 350 years and talks about the history of how we viewed pain and how you know this sort of society viewed pain and how that's changed over time. And anybody who's sort of interested in that. Um, I think it would find is it, is a really compelling lead because she's she's uh, it's it's academic in a sense, but it's very and easily readable. And the other interesting book too, while I'm on the topic, I'll give you I'll give you two. This would be a bonus one. The other one was um, it was the age of anxiety, I think it was called, and it was about the history of tranquilizers, uh, the use of tranquilizers wow. in America, which was another just fascinating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Sounds like like I said, one. it's all part of this side project that I'm working on. But those two books, it's really fascinating. When I think about all the books that I've read in that in that sort of uh, arena, those two books stand out. So it's that uh, the story of pain by Joanna Burke, mm. 
And I think it's The Age of Anxiety. I'm not sure who. Uh, Andrea Tone, I believe is her name, who wrote that book, The Age of Anxiety. Andrea Tone, The History of Tranquilizer Use in America. So Fantastic. And you do some coaching. So please tell us what you do and in case anyone wants to reach out and interested to learn more. So I work with um, writers, bloggers, um, business people who want to improve their writing. And I, and I can start with someone who is new to the, you know, write, the, the copywriting, blogging arena, arena, or I, you know, I work with a lot of established writers too, who want just someone else to kind of come in and uh, be brutally honest with them and help them do it. So basically what I do is I just do, you know, sessions with people. I, I give you an assignment, I critique it, then we hop on the phone and then we talk through that. A lot of people also use me just as a sounding board. You know, they say, okay, you know, I have this idea and I want to go this direction, but I'm not sure. So I'm there to help give them guidance too. So, you know, we're, so I can help you write better and I can also help you just sort of, you know, sculpt the vision for your blog or for your business too. Okay. All right. Good. I'll put links to how people can get in touch with you. And awesome. Thank you. Links to some of the like some of the blogs that we your some of your blogs we mentioned during our conversation as well. And I really appreciate your time. This is I really enjoy this, and it's a real honor to talk to you. Hey, awesome. Thank you. It was uh, it's always humbling to uh, to uh, get asked to do these things, and I really enjoy talking about it. So uh, thank you. Fantastic. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye. Hey, it's Anise again. Did you get all of that? Isn't he great? Lots of excellent nuggets of wisdom from the brilliant Damien Farnworth, the copybot to get your blogging groove on. I've already learnt something from there. I'm not nearly as consistent as I ought to be. I thought, do people really care about whether you're blogging every day or every week consistently? Well, like he said, you're training them to expect to hear from you. So that's something I'm fixing this week. Uh, So today I wrote a schedule. Anyway, so have you started blogging? How's it working for you? If you need help, get in touch with Damien. You'll find links to reach him on the blog and links to some of his timeless, excellent posts like write better headlines with his seven-step experiment. Brilliant. So head on over there, check them out. And if you're listening to iTunes, head on over to mindfulsalestraining.net, all one word. And while you're there, you can subscribe to get content in your inbox so you don't miss out. That's mindfulsalestraining.net. So if you like what you heard and you found it useful, please share it with your peeps, your tribe, your homies, and spread the love and help them get blogging right. So until next time, this is Anise Kizzelbash from Mindful Sales Training, helping you grow your sales mindfully. Mindfully.